We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials. A conversation about being young, in love, and navigating life one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. We hope all of you enjoyed your 4th of July weekend. We had a good time not doing anything related to 4th of July. Yeah, we kept it very casual. No barbecue. No barbecue, no fireworks. I guess you can kind of say we're pretty lame. I don't think so. Yeah, peak lame. Peak lame reason. This is peak lame. We did have potato salad. We, we had, and greens. Yeah. We had the sides, but didn't have any meat. Yeah. And I smelled barbecue up and down my street. When I took the dogs out, somebody was grilling. I was like, man, yeah, I can't really get an want invite, some. neighbors. Because I really want some barbecue. I just didn't feel like doing anything. And I worked all weekend. Yeah. So that kind of threw it. my whole feng shui off. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was working the majority of the day. So it's like today I just like I just wanted to take the day off. <laughs> I didn't really want to celebrate. Yeah, even though it's a holiday. I it's not that I didn't want to celebrate. There was just nowhere to go. No one was having anything. Yeah, I mean you can we but we could have went to the beach. We could have done oh. something. We didn't text <laughs> Nan friend. Yeah. We didn't do any so I'm, there's definitely right. options available. Yeah. Cause what did I do? I got home and I'm looking on Snapchat. What is everybody else doing on Fourth of July yeah. while I lie in bed like a lame duck? There were a lot of beach goes. I just wanted some ribs. Yeah. <laughs> can i get a rib and the thing we do have some ribs in the freezer actually that i could have took out and defrosted why do you have, why do you got to say that <laughs> you know how i feel about freezer food let's talk about joy for a second she has this stigma that anything that's put in the freezer any type of food that's put in the freezer and defrosted is suddenly inedible and okay but i've gotten better Admit that I've gotten better, but those ribs have been in there for like months now. But it's, how, how it's many fine. months would you say? I don't know how many months. I'd say probably about two months. I was gonna say three. I think that's my limit. If it if it had been a month, I could stomach it, but it's been too long now. You said you've gotten better, but we stopped putting food in the freezer. So no, I, I wouldn't argue put, that we've gotten better. We've put ground turkey in the freezer and bacon, and I'll I'll eat it. You have. That's true. We have put the, the bacon tr- in the ground. Yeah, target. trust me. I'm keeping track because I'm proud of myself every time. <laughs> That's a shame. It's not that serious. I can, Now, once frost starts getting on the food. I like fresh food. At that point, I get it. I like fresh food, too. But sometimes when they're having a ground turkey sale for two ninety nine, you guys all know. So we eat ground turkey on everything. Mm-hmm. And it's usually five ninety nine when you purchase it in the store. And when they have those deals for two ninety nine and three ninety nine, like I'm just gonna have to be ridiculous yeah, and buy five of them. So you got to save it. So we just have to be better about finding meals that we can quickly use it. So you know, we don't have I to want, worry I about want this issue. I a vacuum sealer. I think that might help me because Ziploc bags aren't doing it for me, and neither is the packaging that it comes in. I think I just want I just want to know that my food is locked up and safe, and it'll taste exactly as it was meant to taste. So maybe we can look and, and invest in that. We should have put that on the wedding registry. I, I know. I think I thought about it at some point, but then abandoned it. It's all good. We hey, don't... it hasn't been a year yet. If you're listening and would like to get us a wedding gift. <laughs> you still do have a year. Technically, us... by the rules, is you have up to a year yeah. to send someone their wedding gift. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. So all you guys who came to our wedding and didn't give us any gifts. Yeah, I'm talking to y'all. 
you can go ahead and send us a, a nice food Vacuum saver. sealer, please. Yes. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. <laughs> hey, I you should be, I should be absolutely ashamed of myself for hey, that. Hey, you know what? It's hard. Times are hard. It's hard to buy yourself stuff. <laughs> uh, you can. You just have to save and, and move on. And we have a wedding that we're going to this weekend, actually, which is going to be exciting. Congratulations to Andrew and Kayla. We're very excited to celebrate your wedding nuptials this weekend. Andrew and Kayla, I hope you've put everything that your heart desires on your registry because, as I said, it is hard in these streets. But it's all good. You can make it anywhere with love, right? At least that's what they lie and tell you. Yeah. Love, they love conquers all. It's like love can do a whole lot, but love don't pay the bills. Love don't put any food on the table. Love doesn't pay this rent. Well, thank you for loving me. And thanks for loving us enough to combine our finances. Yes. We <laughs> talked about in a previous episode that we had wanted to combine our finances, but didn't really know the best way to go about it. And one of our listeners, Tony, actually sent me an email because in the in the episode we talked about like, hey, what do you guys do? Married couples, send us what works for you and maybe we can try to adopt it. And Tony actually did send a very nice detailed email, which I really, really appreciate. And so the time has come. It is July 2016, and Joy and I have officially decided to combine our finances. Yikes. And Joy is not pleased. I'm, yeah, I'm not excited. So there was, I guess you can sense the sarcasm in my tone. <laughs> I'm, it's not that I can see why it is the wise thing to do. You can accomplish more together than you can apart. Uh, but I told Justin this because he's been asking to combine our finances and I've been creatively stalling. And he said, July 1, it's happening. And I was like, oh, that's a heart date. So I don't know how to get out of that. And I told him, I said, all I can see is us being 45 years old and you've had an affair and my money's tied up. And I know that that is awful. It's awful. And Justin said, what did you say? This is mad disrespectful. That's probably what I said. Is that what you think of me? And it isn't. I truly do trust you, but there is some part of in me. And I think it's because older women are this way, right? They, they tell you, keep your independence. Men are not that men are good for nothing, but just like always have you some on the side. It's just that thing. So it's hard to ignore it. And it's hard to, I don't know. I guess that sounds awful, doesn't it? It definitely sounds, it sounds awful. awful. And let's for for but it's trend. a real fear. It's a genuine fear to work your whole life and then get screwed over. Agree. Later, I'm not disputing that, but I think in a lot of those cases, and what you're referencing, what happens is the woman or the man, whoever, because both parties can do it. So I don't want to make this a man thing or a woman thing. One person turns over the finances to the other. And then turns a blind eye and puts blanket trust in this specific person right. to manage their finances fully and be fine. And I think in those instances is when you have these you have reality trouble. checks that are like, oh shit, things aren't going as well as expected. I never thought about it. And now all of a sudden you're reeling. So full transparency sake, that's not what we're doing here. No. What we are doing. We are both actively participating in the finances. Actively. We we are combining all of our money into one account. We will still have separate checking accounts. But as I told you, I need about three months to see where everything falls. How much money is really coming in? What are we spending our money on? I just earlier th- and this see, week, I'm nervous I broke about down. about that part too. What are you nervous about? 
I just, you know, what are you spending your money on? And that's, the th- I'm not I said, super what are we spending our money? Look, see, I use a lot no, of inclusionary I, language. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you didn't say we. I, I didn't mean it that way. It just makes me nervous because now that the finances are part of the teamwork, I don't want to let down the team. So I feel like I'm going to have to really watch what I'm spending. Not in a, oh, Justin's going to get mad way or Justin's monitoring way, but in that I want to be responsible because your money is involved too because it's now our money it's it's an added pressure but again we are we still have individual checking accounts but we're not going to use those individual checking accounts yet because as i told you earlier i just need to see how much money is coming in and how much money is coming out if we're bringing in x amount of dollars and everything we're bringing in is being sent right out the door then we have a problem so i have to really be able to monitor and see and from that point we can set up our, our savings goal and we can say, all right, well, this is how much we have extra a month. This is how much we want to save and whatever's left over, the two of us can split. And then that's when we will use our own checking accounts. But right there, I, we just, we're not there. So we don't have that. I don't have that data to, to give you and say, okay, here you go. So I guess you can say for the first three months, I will be watching what you're spending. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little, yeah, and I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, and there's a meme out there when you just kind of swipe your card and hope it goes through. That's my situation in life. And it's not that I don't make a, a decent amount of money, but I've, I've got bills. It's not even, it's, it, it's not even, it's not even bills. I asked Joy during tax season saying, okay, hey, we got our refund. You know, what should we do? with this check. And before I, I, we, we gave any answers, I said, what do your credit cards look like? And she shoots back an amount that was the entirety of our tax refund. And I said, how in the hell did you allow your credit cards to get to this point? And she looks at me and goes, well, I just swipe and hope that it's there. Well, what do you, what do you mean you just swipe and hope that it's there? So that, that was the point when I was like, okay, this is done. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows like tax season, let's go, let's get this refund. And the and this was, keep in mind, this is the first time I ever got a tax refund, ever. Literally the first time in my adult life I've ever had a refund yeah, you and I had to give it to you to pay off your ridiculous amounts of credit cards. I know. In my defense, we were discussing leveraging credit, remember? I do remember. So I'm we still leveraging tr- credit. Right. And we were trying out this new thing where we were leveraging credit. We Turns are not. Turns out. We trying. I'm not good at leveraging credit. And I somehow spent, I'm just going to sell $1,000 on groceries in one month. How do you spend $1,000 on groceries oh, in a month? Groceries. And I'm still hungry. Like, I'm I spending a don't thousand... know how that happened. And keep in mind, Whole Foods was not one of the places we shopped. No, like Trader regular... Joe's wasn't even one of the places. So can you please explain how Just... do you spend $1,000 at Ralph's and Vaughn's? I, I had to have made some bad decisions. I don't know how I did it. And I do think we had a month where we maybe hosted something. But even still, that didn't make any sense. I don't know how I did it. And I did. I st- stared at my statement in disbelief. And then I got behind from there because I, I couldn't front the, the bill at the end of that month because I had, you know, I wasn't prepared for it because I didn't know I had spent $1,000 on groceries. And I had other things on top of that, too. So it was just a ridiculously high credit bill for what I spent money on. And then from there, it was just downhill. In the second episode, The Secret Sauce, we talked about what really makes it work. And communication was one of those big bullet points that we talked about. 
why did I have to wait until tax season <laughs> to find out that you were thousands of dollars in debt on your credit card? Because my plan See, was we, to plan. pay it. Because <laughs> I didn't want you to have to worry about it. I didn't want you to feel responsible for it. And I still would not have taken the, the entire tax return had you not said to. I would have still tried to figure it out on my own. But again, that is my pride. And I need to throw it out the door. And th- I know. And this is why I we're combining know. finances. But yeah. For I, these exact reasons. And, and let's. I mean, and for these reasons, I am happy about it. I'm just nervous. I am as strong as my weakest link. If you are thousands of dollars in debt, I am thousands of dollars in debt. Just like when we got married, our student loans, they now become one. So it's not like, okay, well, I'm going to just leave these student loans to you and I'm going to pay mine and you can pay yours and we'll just kind of dance along the road and hope everything go, goes okay. Yeah, no, these loans are us. I feel awful about the student loans. Awful. I, I didn't want, I don't want them on me, but then the, the fact that you willingly inherited them, I know you have them too, but just, oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, you talked about this. We, we talked about love. You marry for love. This is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you get, you marry for debt, for pain, for irresponsibility, for being said that at 45, you're going to leave me with no money. <laughs> like this is what you marry for when you marry for love. Y'all. I'm just letting I you know. So really if you're, believe if you're in your late twenties, early thirties, you're like, mm, I don't really know what to do. Just go for the money. Go, go for, for the money. The money. <laughs> no, don't no, do that. Really marry, marry but in all seriousness, you marry should do for some a homework. Solid partner. I've yeah. always said that LinkedIn is the new pimp game. Everyone talks about Facebook and and Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. Honestly, I think all professionals should really use LinkedIn as the as new playground for dating. Let me tell you why. If I'm if, this is new, I don't think I've heard this. If I'm in my late twenties, early thirties, and I'm looking to find out or looking to find a partner, you're like, okay, I want to find someone who is like me. When when we get in our late twenties, early thirties, we typically are a little settled into who we are. We are in a career that we plan on being in for a while. We know what our income is, where our plan is. We have a a nice little growth trajectory in front of us for the next five to 10 years. And when you meet somebody, you typically want someone that's on equal footing. Mm -hmm. You want someone who has similar goals, similar values, similar dreams that you can work with. LinkedIn is giving you all of that for free. You can just find somebody, boom, you are a manager, you're a director at this. Is it a Fortune 500 company? Is it a small business? Is it local? Is it international? Do they travel? You can find out where they graduated from. Do they have a master's degree? What clubs, organizations, interest in, and what kind of skills they have? Like genuinely, LinkedIn gives you all the goodies. I think it can be part it can be part of the process, but there's there's no personality in that. So what if all they are is their career? How That's not a dateable person. What kind of personality can you get when you're swiping right and swiping left and you're exchanging conversations? If you see somebody. Yeah, you're when, getting sex when you, from that. That's when, it. But listen, but when you go online and you're creating a profile, you're creating a profile about who you are, you get some interest, you guys link up, boom, we start talking. Now, if I'm looking for somebody, you know, say I'm a, I'm a very successful middle-aged man, 35 years old, looking for a partner. I'm a, I'm a CEO of a business. Mm-hmm. I'm probably looking for someone, as I said, of equal footing. If I go, oh, well, this person is a so-and-so, they have experience here, we now have similar ground. Mm-hmm. We have some interest that we can talk about, and from there, we go on a date and we find out what it is. I'm not saying that, oh, you're going to fall in love simply by their LinkedIn profile, but it's a great basis to find like, hey, this person may be of similar grounding. Why? Why? 
go through the rest. LinkedIn gives it all. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, LinkedIn is the, is the new dating website that everybody is just looking over. It gives you everything. You sign up for the premium. You can slide in their in-mail. Same thing. LinkedIn is it. LinkedIn is pro- you have for professional been daters. A LinkedIn advocate. You love LinkedIn. You can con- it, it. It's but I've never thought of it like yeah. my mind is actually kind of like oh okay. it's true. Think about it. Like really okay. take a second. If I think back to if I, I can't if I looked at my not. LinkedIn profile, you see all of my past job experiences. You see where I went to school, what my interests are, mm-hmm. what are all my talents, and from there I'm like okay, well this guy does this 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 does well. He's worked in the sports industry. He's worked in the startup industry. Hey, we may have some common footing. Hey, Justin, how are you? I noticed that you did X, Y, and Z. Everyone's always looking for a common ground to ah, start a but conversation. But does it say whether or not you're married or single? It does not. Now, you can't now agree. That's the hard part. It, 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 it is tough. And I, I'm just saying it's, it's not a bulletproof system. Of course, it's not. Nothing but is But that would actually be a really good idea. Actually, for... I think you can put married or single on your LinkedIn profile. Believe it or not, I really think that's an option. And if it is an option, then they've covered everything. LinkedIn yeah, has been everything. an underground dating site and nobody's <laughs> taking advantage of it. Yeah. Oh, but if, if that's true, then I, I commend you. I'm yeah, see your hand on that. And you can put your email out there, contact info. I mean, everything. Your website, whole nine. LinkedIn. And you know the type of people that you're getting with because most people on LinkedIn are professionals looking to grow in their professional career, connect with like-minded individuals. I'm telling y'all, y'all sleeping on LinkedIn. If you have not got a date from LinkedIn, you're losing. Granted, I've never got one either, but I met my wife at 18. So it was a little different. I didn't have a career to put out there. But if you had it, LinkedIn would have been your, your choice. I need somebody to try it. Can, can I yeah. get a guinea pig? Is there anyone out there who can be willing to be a guinea pig Please contact and go us. on a, that link, would be a LinkedIn date? But I mean... Everyone, whatever, what what do we defined as oftentimes when we're in the in, in the your professional career. world? By your career, yeah. by your resume. Your resume gets you into a lot of doors. Granted, the people you know get you in doors too, mm-hmm. but our resume is just as strong. Right. So if you can find somebody with a strong resume, why not do it? But I also need to point out that you are more than your career if you're listening to this right now. <laughs> Oh, oh, <laughs> you're in tears like oh, but oh, I just want to paint things like you know of course like, of course you were more than your career I mean that that, I, that goes without saying because I know I know <laughs> look I I can be that person sometimes like I just want to be I just want to go live off the land and well not really live off the land but you know what I mean go up in the woods and hibernate yeah I always said like my ideal life is to live in a cabin in the woods and not the horror movie, but just to live in a cabin in the woods with my dogs. Justin can be there too. <laughs> not interested in that with life. With some books in a fireplace. But the cabin in the woods is on a mountaintop. And when you go through the clearing of trees, you see the ocean. It's that nice. would be beautiful. See, I'm fine with that, that for a vacation spot. home. If we had that as an additional home, oh, live, well, but baby, to, let's to do permanently it. live like in the forest away from everyone in life, yeah. I like people a little too much to be that much of a recluse. Well, yeah, but before we get a vacation home, we should probably get a real home. Yes, indeed, and that's why we are combining our finances. But I do want to touch on a little something more. I do want to go back to the home buying process and how scary that is. But something you talked about is leveraging credit. I want to give a little bit of insight in, into something I learned starting in 2015. I used to be a very, very big debit card guy. Everything you hear, everything you read about, people always say credit is the absolute worst thing ever. Like Never use credit, never use credit, always swipe your debit card. If you don't have the cash, don't spend it. And I used to, to be one of those individuals who believed that credit cards were the worst. I'm only swiping my debit card. If I don't have the money, I'm done. 
And as I was getting older, I was like, you know, you just you have to have credit, established credit to, to be able to do a lot of these things to to buy a home, to purchase a new vehicle. You know, having good credit can afford you a lot of good opportunities. So I was actually talking to my assistant college basketball coach and he works in the financial industry. And I was telling him, like, hey, I really want to get better at credit, but I don't know how to do it. And he gave me this this simple strategy, at least that I thought was simple, but clearly it didn't work for Joy. <laughs> Because that ended because up, it requires foresight. It does require foresight, and it requires it does a lot of foresight yeah. and and being strategic about yeah. your spending. But what he told me is that he uses his credit card for everything, and then completely plays pays his balance off when his statement comes. Right. And I was just like, okay, well, why would you do that if you have the money? Just swipe your debit card. It makes sense. And he goes, well, no, because I get points and I get rewards and I get dollars back on my money. Say you have a credit card that gives you a dollar back for every $100 you spend. I go out and I buy a $100 TV. I just made a dollar back on this $100. So technically, I really only bought the TV for $99. When I swipe my debit card and I pay in cash, there's no reward coming back to me. Once I spend $100, I spend $100. And it's gone. Now, as you get older, you start spending on a lot of things. You start spending on travel. You start spending on on clothing or, or trips, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, I spent $1,000 on whatever the case may be. And in particular, my credit card is running a special where they're going to give me 5% back on this $1,000 expense. Well, now I just got $50 back on $1,000 that I had originally spent. And even though I have the money in my checking account and I can buy it right now, that $1,000 trip is really essentially now $950. And as he was explaining that to me, I was just like, ah. And it adds up. It this sounds makes like sense. small change now, but if you uh, purchase after purchase, it, it truly makes a difference. Yeah. So in 2015, I decided that I was going to get completely rid of my debit cards and only use a credit card. And we're 18 months in to the process. And I can tell you that has been the best thing that I've done. My credit score has jumped tremendously. I've been able to get things, purchase things that I would not have been able to do prior simply because of the points and rewards set up through credit cards. Now, there's 9 million credit card offers out there. And everyone has it. Every card has a different type of perk and can be beneficial for a multitude of reasons. But if you are a strategic planner, if you are good with with numbers and and forecasting, I strongly, strongly encourage you guys to leverage your credit cards to get rewards and benefits at the end. And again, I don't use credit as money that's not mine. I still am under the idea. I know how much I can spend. Mm -hmm. I have a budget in my head. And I have two two separate credit cards. And I know what those balances can be in a month combined. And I know whether I'm under or whether I'm over my budget. And if you have a debit card, you don't have to worry about that because your balance will always tell you what your budget is. Like, oh, right. and I'm at 50. I'm always I'm at missing the budget in my head. I don't have that. Yeah, you have to calculate it and you know when things are due. And so it, it does take some thought. And I, I would love to talk to, to anyone about the conversation. I've, I've actually spoke to a few friends about it because I get really excited talking about it because it was a whole new world to me that I was hiding from. And now we have an opportunity to take several trips, 
that I don't have to pay for simply because I have points that I've used on my everyday spending. And instead of swiping my debit card or using cash, I just swiped a credit card and was responsible and paid my statement off in full. F-U-L-L. Full, full, full. You must pay your statements off in full full. because interest rates will kill you and you cannot miss a payment date. Two things that Joy loves to do, miss payment dates and not pay her balance off in full. That is also correct. I don't do it on purpose. I just go, oh, crap, yesterday was the third, which just happened. This literally just happened. Missed it. A day ago. Completely missed Literally it. Literally just And happened. I don't like that it's Eastern time. That's really annoying. Chase isn't like that. Chase, I think, is you, it's 5 p.m. But you can call. It. You know Eastern. that you can call, right? Yeah, but it's like, you know, do you call every month? Because they're going to be like, all right. No, that, no, that's just being irresponsible. It should happen once. Oh, I forgot. It's I past 5 o'clock Pacific time. It's awful. I need to it's call. Awful. I'm like, hey, guys, um, it's still... It's still my, it's still, sometimes I just feel like I wasn't ready to be an adult yet. I don't know how this happened. (laughs) It's difficult, but yeah, no, that is something that I need to not even work on. It just needs to be fixed. It it has to be And I have to do it now because now you're at stake. So, and if kids come along soon, I mean, it just, not that soon. (laughs) Don't, don't get everybody. Yeah, that was don't get people excited. Yeah. Okay, that that's fair. I'll, <laughs> I'll 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 take that comment back. We're gonna we're gonna recall that statement because yeah. you guys can be like, so you're having kids. You guys are talking about kids. No, we're. I mean, we do have the conversation about kids. Yes, 100%, 100%. but it happening right now. No. Yeah, I mean, and I think my biggest hesitation. Um, and we we spoke about. I don't even know if we finished that conversation that we started about children, but yeah, my biggest hesitation is being able to provide for them. And everyone says, you know, you're never going to be ready, but I, I need to be a little more ready than I am now. I want to be in a financial sweet spot, if you will. For sure, and it, and it's tough because growing up, you always hear about the American dream, what that American dream is, the mm-hmm. dreams to to own a home, own a car, and be able to provide for your family, and you have a job that, that you enjoy, or at least that provides you an opportunity to, to live the way you want. Mm-hmm. And it's just in today's world, it is so difficult to achieve that, especially in Los Angeles. And as Joy was saying, like we want to buy a home. Like the the thought of saving up enough money to have to put a down payment on a home that we would like is not only intimidating, but it's almost, to me, it seems out of reach. And Joy yeah, and I both make a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. But when you add student loans into the mix, it just sets you back. I can confidently say if we didn't have student loans, and I, and I say We'd this be in, in a all much sincere, better position. Like, oh if my we gosh. did not have to pay student loans, we would be in a position right now to be able to buy a house maybe a year or two years out to have the down payment that we want and yeah. be in something in the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah. I do. I believe that our loans have changed the trajectory of our life. It feels like life could have been different. For sure. I've I've told my parents this is I I truly believe that student loans and the idea of just sign up for these loans and put your, your children through college so they can achieve this American dream was the greatest lie that our government had ever created. Mm -hmm. We have individuals, millennials, people just like us, who are starting life in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars of debt. Mm-hmm. And you and now more. and you exactly and more. And you go into the workforce and these companies are offering you 
very low wages and you're sitting here like, okay, well, Navient, Sally Mae, the federal department is looking at me saying, I need to pay three, four, five, six hundred $600 a month on my principal. And I can't even bring that in with a paycheck every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So how do you expect a country, a generation to move forward when you are entering the world with shackles already on your feet before you started walking? Right. And I hear it all the time about the millennial generation being entitled, lazy, or not lazy, we're not entitled. The reality is, is that we're entering a world with debt on our head mm-hmm. that we didn't necessarily ask for. Mm-hmm. I did ask my parents to go to college and I'm so glad that they made the sacrifice to put me through college. I'm not saying that college is not a great experience and you shouldn't go to college, but I didn't sign up. Justin did not verbally say, hey, I want to go here and upon graduating from this university, I'm going to willingly accept tens of thousand dollars of debt and I'm going to go start my life. Also, we were sold, as you mentioned, on this dream. We were told that don't worry about this debt. It's going to completely basically pay for itself. Once we graduate, get the desired job with the desired income, these loans will be no big deal. That's kind of how it was presented, that we would be able to pay them off easily it because was. of because we were taking the step of going to college. To going to college which means we'd get a, yeah. a better paying job mm-hmm. which would then lead to us being able to quickly pay off our loans yeah and unfortunately that's, that's not, not happening happened. with shrinking wages i mean the when the economy turned in, in 2008 we just got slapped right in in the middle right. of it and, and now we're left trying to dig things out and, and you don't want to make excuses for why you're not where you want to be or you want to be financially free or financially prepared where we thought we would be at 27 and 26 years old. But again, I walked into the world. We walked into the professional world sitting in tens of thousands of dollars of debt. And so I, I do get frustrated and do get mad. I like, I want to pay more. And I'm not saying I want to make more because I want to go out and buy this fancy car and be able to do this. I want to make more so I can pay off these damn loans yeah. so I could be free to do what I want to do. So we can live our lives. That's it. I think that's what it boils down to. Everything is just wanting to live the best life you possibly can. I was listening to the millennial podcast this week and the subject was trust fund babies. She has a friend who is financially well off, if you will. And so she interviewed him because she was coming from the place of student loans, struggling. You don't even know what this is like. And he had an interesting take on it, which was that, no, he doesn't know what that is like, but he has no fire. And he was, he basically was saying that, no, he does not know what, our struggle is like to not be able to afford things, but that his life is already pretty set financially. So he doesn't have to worry about failing really. He, But because of that, he doesn't really have to try. So his worry, he said some of the worst people he knows are people that do not work towards anything. So he, his deepest worry in life, is finding the motivation to work because he genuinely does not have to. And I thought that that was just a very interesting take on it. That is an interesting perspective because I I do believe trust fund babies get a lot, a lot of flack. Mm -hmm. You don't have to work a a day in your life. And I've never really 
looked from their perspective because i i'd be lying to say if if i didn't share to feel bad yeah, you know <laughs> yeah I, if i didn't share a similar belief to to, to everyone else is saying like i i don't feel bad for you yeah. but i don't know what it's like to wake up every day and have no motivation to do anything because, because you genuinely do not be, have to yeah because my motivation daily is like well how do i keep getting better how do i keep getting i want to provide a a legacy for my family yeah, i want to buy build. a home i want to I want to have a car. I want to be able to put my kids through school. I want to be able to go to travel and do things. So that is my my motivation right. is to create a legacy that that's not just a monetary legacy, right. but something that's fruitful and fulfilling. And and that drives me. So to say that someone doesn't have that, I can't imagine what kind of life that is. Like in a sense, I kind of feel bad. It just seems like a very empty way of living. Yeah, you wake up and all that's already done. It's an empty to do list. And it makes you wonder, you know, okay, well, maybe your your options are limitless, but think of all the things you want to do. Imagine being able to do that within the next five years. And that's, it's all done. Yeah. It, where, where do you go from there? Yeah. I, I, I've never, I've never really, really, really thought about that. So is that really the American dream? Like to, to, to really be wealthy and have it. And I, and I do believe in, and there's research to prove that, that the American dream really has shifted to the accumulation of material of wealth stuff yeah the, the homes the cars the boats the yachts mm -hmm. the fancy shoes the the massive walk-in closets that is really what we have come to when we talk about oh the american dream this is what we're living um, when when it, when essentially that was not the original definition of the american dream what is the american dream how would you define it for you what are you going after and why because we're still trying to figure that out if you would have asked me 10 years ago it was the everything the accumulation of material possessions but it says you get the, the order you get just like no that's yeah it'd be nice to have nice things too mm -hmm. but it goes beyond just the material world so i don't know i really don't know what that american dream I think looks mine like. is just no baggage no, no financial baggage, no emotional baggage. That's that's just my dream. I was gonna say that sounds a laissez-faire, <laughs> but hey, that is a dream. No baggage. I mean, I'm not a baggage head. I'm not a bag lady. But bag just, lady. You know, just, just just living life without work. Yeah, without a care. That way, I think you know, with and with the, with deep empathy, of course, but with without having to worry about much. I think that that would be. How are we gonna get there? No, oh, we got to figure that out. See, yeah. you guys are going to be a part of the journey. We're going to get there. We got to figure. First, we need to define what our American dream is. Yeah. And then you guys are going to watch us work towards accomplishing that. But what is yours? We'd love to hear your feedback. As always, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and also share it with your friends. You can also connect with us on social media. Be sure to head over to lovejays.com and you will see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page. We also want to take a moment to thank our listeners we appreciate you tuning in every week and giving us feedback and just being a support system. We appreciate you and we will talk to you next week.